welcome to episode 33 of Everything Under the Sun, a weekly podcast answering all the most pressing questions children around the world have about life on Earth. My name is Molly and today I have three questions. They're all quite different. Before we start, I just want to tell you that Everything Under the Sun is going to be a beautiful book full of curious questions asked by all of you. There's going to be 366 questions, one for each day of the year, including a leap year, and it's coming out next Christmas. I'm busy writing it now. So if you quickly send in your questions, you'll get to be on the podcast and also in the beautiful book, which is going to be filled with lots of beautiful drawings, questions and answers, and make a great present for all your friends and family. I hope it will be a book that you love. Right, on with the show. Today, our first question comes from a whole class full of children. Year three at Bolton Primary School. Hi, everyone. Well, thanks so much for your great question, Bolton Primary School, Year 3. Well, to answer it, I have a historian named Justin Pollard who has made a television series about the Egyptians, so he knows all about King Tut and he's going to answer your question. Over to Justin. Hello, Year 3 at Bolton Primary School. My name's Justin Pollard and I'm a historian and writer. I wrote a series for the BBC on the Egyptian New Kingdom, which is the time in which Tutankhamun lived. You asked, why did Tutankhamun become king age 9 and how did he die? Both of which are very good questions. Firstly, I should say all this happened a very long time ago, over 3,300 years ago. So we don't have many clear records and it's very hard to be sure exactly what happened. We do know that Tutankhamun was probably the son of an extraordinary pharaoh called Akhenaten. He had begun his reign as Amenhotep IV, but changed it when he decided to abolish all the old gods of ancient Egypt and replace them with just one, the sun, or Aten. Now, lots of the priests and politicians were very unhappy with the new religion, as the old ways were over a thousand years old and lots of Egyptians didn't like change much. Oh, no. So when Akhenaten died, his new religion collapsed, leading to a lot of confusion. We know he reigned for 17 years, and Smenkare, who was possibly his brother or son, and Nefer-Neferuaten, who was either one of his daughters or his wife Nefertiti, also ruled. But we don't know if they reigned with him or just after him. Now, Akhenaten died quite young, possibly from a disease called familial temporal epilepsy. After them, Tutankhamun became pharaoh because he was the next member of the family in line to the throne. As you know, he was only about nine years old, so the country was probably ruled by a regent. That's a grown-up who rules on the pharaoh's behalf until he's old enough to do it himself. The two most powerful men at the time were the general Horemheb and the Grand Vizier Ai. Perhaps because of these two powerful grown-ups, he turned back to the old religion in which Amun was the main god. So he changed his name from Tutankhaten to Tutankhamun, which is how we know him. Tutankhamun only reigned for about nine years. In fact, all of his family tended to die quite young. And, as we can examine his mummy, we know he had various problems. He had a disease called malaria, he limped, he had a cleft palate. He also might have had genetic problems, as his mum was probably his dad's sister. 
There were no surviving records of his final days, so what happened to him is a bit of a mystery. Some people have suggested that his advisor I, who became pharaoh after him, perhaps had him bumped off, but most people think he died of natural causes. We know from his skeleton that he badly broke his leg shortly before he died, and that the injury got infected. There were no antibiotics in those days, so an injury like that could kill you. This, and the malaria he suffered from, probably finished him off. I hope that answers your question, Year 3. Thanks for your brilliant answer, Justin. Well, poor King Tut. Sounds like he had quite a lot of health problems to deal with. Malaria, a limp, cleft palate, and lots of other things caused by his mum also being his auntie. I hope that answers your question, all the children in Year 3 at Bolton Primary School. And thanks to your teacher for sending in the question. If you have a question you would like answered on the show or in the Everything Under the Sun book, all you have to do is ask an adult to record you asking it on their smartphone and ask them to email it into me at molly at everythingunderthesun.co.uk. Get recording! Or you could do it as a fun end of term thing with all of your class, like Bolton Primary School. So why not get your whole class involved and send in a question? Just play your teacher this episode and see if he or she would like to do that. The questions will be in the book too. That would be pretty fun. Next up, we have a question from Cal L and Liv. They would both like to know about cows and how they make something we like to drink. Hi, I'm Cal L and I'm seven and I like climbing and my question is what is the process of um, cows making milk? Hi, my name's Liv and I'm six and I like swimming and my question is how does cows make milk? Thanks for your great question Cal, L and Liv. Well, cows actually make milk for the same reason human mothers do, to feed their babies. Cow babies are called calves. Once a calf is born, a cow will make milk for her baby for around 10 months. To make lots of milk, cows need to eat a lot of food, about 50 kilograms of food a day. That's about 1,675 bowls of cereal, all washed down with a bar full of water a day. That is a lot of food. Cows love to eat hay, straw and grass. Then they digest that all in their four stomachs. Yes, cows have got four stomachs. In the first, food mixes up with water. In the second stomach, it gets squashed into little balls called cud. The cud then goes back up to the cow's mouth so that the cow can chew it a bit more and add in lots of saliva. Then in the third part of the stomach, the water and saliva get squashed out of the cud. In the fourth stomach, the food is broken down and all the goodness from the cow's food is used to keep the cow healthy and to make milk for the cow's babies. Now it can take two days for a cow's food to come out as milk. The cow has udders where the milk is made and stored and then it comes out of her teats when a baby cow drinks from the teats. A calf will drink straight from its mother but when humans milk a cow they have to pull on her teats. I wonder who first had that idea and what they thought they were doing. Today to make lots of milk we have dairy farms where cows are kept for milk and they're milked using machines. It takes about eight minutes to milk a cow and they're milked two or three times a day. That's why some people don't like to drink milk, especially vegans, they won't drink milk because they say it's not kind to the cows, which is a good point. Did you know that cows are sociable and make friends in their herd? Cows that are treated well by dairy farmers and given their own names make more milk than unnamed cows. About 500 pints a year more. Wow. All 
Also, did you know that a pint of milk from the shops could contain milk from more than 1,000 different cows? I hope that answers your question, Cal L and Liv. And now for something that is made of milk and is delicious, especially when it's baking hot like in England at the moment, where I am. Can you guess what it might be? It comes in lots of different flavours, it's very lovely and cold and tastes amazing. Have you guessed? Yes, it's ice cream. To ask a question about ice cream, here is Charlotte. My name is Charlotte. I am six. I like reading Welsh Wits books. My question is, who made your first ice cream? Hi Charlotte, thanks for your great question. Well, we can't be sure for certain who made the very first ice cream, as lots of countries came up with some kind of frozen milky delicious dessert or pudding, uh, a bit like ice cream. It seems like one of the first ice creams was made in Persia, now called Iran, where it was made of ice mixed with summer flavours and served when it was really hot. Things that went into early ice creams in Persia were rose water, pistachios, saffron, and fruits. People also began to pour fruit syrups over snow and call it fruit ice, which is what we now call sorbet. Then the ancient Greeks in the 5th century ate snow mixed with honey and fruit. As for the Romans, there's a story that says that the Emperor Nero sent men up to the top of mountains to collect ice and brought it down to mix with fruit to make a kind of ice cream. We can't be totally sure that this happened. In India in the 16th century, they invented kulfi, and that's a kind of frozen milk, a bit like ice cream, and like the Persian ice cream with the pistachios in it. The very first written down recipes for ice cream that we know of are in French in 1674 and in England later in the 18th century. The English recipe goes like this. Take some ice pots, fill them with cream, fill some other pots with ice on a bed of straw, add lots of salt, then put those ice pots around the cream pots. So the idea was that the ice pots would keep the cream pots cold. Then put lots of ice on top and cover with straw. Leave all of these pots and straw in a cellar where there is no sunshine for four hours. The recipe then says you can add fruit to that cream, like cherries, raspberries, strawberries, or even add lemonade. Delicious! The very first ice cream shop in England was set up by a Swiss man called Carlo Gatti outside Charing Cross Station in 1851. He sold scoops of ice cream in shells for one penny. He built a big ice well to store his ice. At first he dug the ice out of a canal in London when it froze, and later he had lots of ice shipped from Norway. Today there are at least a thousand flavours of ice cream. Really you can make ice cream in any flavour you like. But perhaps the silliest name is Fox Testicle Ice Cream from Turkey. Huh? It's a chewy ice cream much loved in Turkey, but it's not made from fox's testicles. Luckily, it's made from an orchid. The ice cream is called Selepi Donderma, which is Turkish for fox testicle ice cream. Donderma is the Turkish word for ice cream, and this one is made from salep, a whitish flower made from the roots of wild orchids. People collect the orchid roots in spring and summer to make the special ice cream. The orchid roots look a little bit like a fox's testicle, according to whoever named it anyway. Did you know that all ice cream is a quarter air, meaning the main ingredient in all good flavours of ice cream is air? Right, that's it. That's our three questions for this week. Before I go off in search of a delicious airy ice cream, I want to let you know who won last week's competition. 
So to win a copy of Nick Caruso's book, Does It Fart? I asked you to send in impressions of a whale farting. Here are the two best impressions we had. Hello, Molly. My name is Menashe and I am eight years old. And this is my impression of a farting whale in the ocean. My name's Zori and I am six. I live in Birmingham and this is my farting whale impression. Congratulations, Menashe and Zori. You've won a copy of Does It Fart by Nick Caruso and Danny Rabaiotti. I hope you enjoy it. Do go back to last week's episode and listen to Nick answer a question from Oscar about how salamanders regrow body parts. Thank you so much, Oscar, for your lovely thank you letter. That was the very first one I've ever had on the podcast. Nick and I loved it. A huge thank you to Justin Pollard for telling us all about King Tut, to Nick Caruso and Quirkus Books for a copy of Does It Fart, now on its way to its winners, and of course to Year 3 at Bolton Primary School and their teacher, Miss Harkin, Cal L, Liv and Charlotte for this week's lovely questions. A big thank you to Ash Gardner at House of Strange for the theme song and Audio Networks for all the lovely incidental music we used this week. I'll be back next week answering more questions from children around the world in another episode of Everything Under the Sun. Do send in your questions. There's information about how to do that on the show's website, everythingundersun.co.uk. And do remember, the questions will now also be in a book. I need all the questions as soon as I can as I'm busy writing away, so please do send them in as soon as you can. If you like the show, please do quickly go to the Apple Podcast app or wherever you listen and leave a lovely review and rate and subscribe and tell your friends to do the same. Thank you so much. Have a lovely week and I hope you get to have an ice cream in the sunshine. Thank you and goodbye.